laughter. Everybody go, ha, 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 ha. Come on, give me, a, give me one of those fake laughs. Ha, 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 We're going to be talking today about laughter and when it's okay to laugh at people. Believe it or not, the Bible actually says it's okay to laugh at people. But we're going to learn about rage, plots, and laughter. Open up your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 2. Did anybody see my um, sermon title come out yesterday and know where I was going today? Some of you all know? All right, amen. You knew it. You looked at the, the, the title and you knew in the scripture where this could be found. Well, just leave up the title there as you're opened up in your Bibles because I want to talk to you a little bit before we get into the scripture. Where we are as a nation is at a pivotal point. And we need to be aware of what's going on, both spiritually and politically. One of the things that happened this past week, as you all know, was the election. And now the election is being disputed by our current president, President Trump, versus the one that everyone on the media and basically in the Democratic you know, states are claiming has uh, now become president-elect Biden. Now, when we look at this, there is trouble in a lot of different ways that the church needs to be understanding of. Number one, did we think that a nation that had been bamboozled by COVID and bamboozled by a race war, did we think an election would be uh, fair and everything would go smoothly? Did we think that? No. Now, at the same time, we don't need to go to the realm of conspiracy. Some people do. That's, that's something that others can do. But from, from this pulpit, as you'll notice whenever I'm preaching on the, the things that are going on today, I won't go into things that are uh, you know, disputed. I want to always bring to you just what's undisputed fact, undisputed fact. Undisputed is that we had a somewhat higher uh, infectious type flu, uh, you know, influenza-like illness. That's an undisputed fact. And the death rate has been extremely, extremely low. That's undisputed. But it caused devastating financial repercussions to this nation, right? That's undisputed. More unemployment than ever before. All of this government aid having to rescue businesses, rescue families. Very, very sad. We also know, undisputed, that we are the most integrated society that is on the planet Earth. Racially, what you would call race. We believe there's only one race, the human race. But we are the most integrated culturally society on the planet Earth. There is no nation that has more nations represented, not only in its population than the United States of America, but in its politics, in its leadership, in its businesses. You can see an Indian-owned business, a Japanese-owned business. How many know what I'm talking about? And yet we were, we were bamboozled to think that we were one of the most racist nations on the planet. And then because of that, people who claim that they had things done against them, primarily the African-American community, some out of their own anger, then burned down their own neighborhoods to talk about injustice and cause confusion to a lot of people who thought that things were getting better. Now, we're not denying that there's injustice or that there's something done wrong to African Americans or to other kinds of people. That's, that, that can be discussed. But that should be discussed without burning down of buildings. That should be discussed without threatening each other's lives. That should be discussed where it matters most in police departments, in uh, aldermen offices, on our jobs, etc. And so 
we were bamboozled to get involved in something as a nation called Black Lives Matter. And at the, the bottom of that was socialism. At the bottom of that was a perverse lifestyle known as homosexuality, you know, LGBTQ. And that became a mess not only in our culture but also in our country throughout the government and throughout businesses. In other words, uh, I like to watch American Ninja Warrior with my kids, and you can see the contestants coming up representing Black Lives Matter. They take a little bit moment out of the, the show to explain all of that, but you don't see anyone ever getting that same time and attention for pro-life which is an actual genocide, which is a proven undisputed fact that humans are killed in this nation upwards of a million, yet there's no talk about the minorities in the death, uh, in, in the death camp there being thrown into the garbage. There's no talk about what's going on with, with these children being dismembered. N none of that. But yet it was forced upon us to see over and over and over again a small percentage of what could be legitimately an injustice by the police. But we know there was a reason for that. Now, if you put all of that together, what do we see that that may be uh, the reason? Why would, why would this be happening right now? Well, it's an election year. And so now we come to the culmination of what... Many of us who are a little bit savvy to put things together, who have been around here for a while, we see that this is pointing towards an election. So now would we see, I mean, would we think that this election would go off without a hitch, that everything would go normal? No, I think there would be trouble. That's what I was predicting, and a lot of people were as well. Now we are at a point where we have one of two decisions. We don't accept it and we fight it, or we just accept it and move on. Now, I think we should fight it, and I think we should believe God for justice to prevail. I never felt right about them allowing so many mail-in votes. I never felt right about us not being able to go to the polls when you can go to the weed dispensary. I never felt right about how at the end of election night, Trump had it by a landslide. And then all the votes now coming in by a large majority, if not all, are all for the other person. There's just something that doesn't seem right about it. It just, it just doesn't seem right for me. And like I said, this is undisputed. It's, it's undisputed that he was winning at the night. It's undisputed that all of this was, you know, if you were to shut down the elections like a normal election, it would have been over. Now, at this point, people may say, well, Joe, we can prove that these elections were legitimate. I mean, these votes for Biden were legitimate, and we're going to go to court and prove it. Okay, then prove it. Now, at that point, at that point, there will be another set of decisions that we have. And some people may, if they have had the prophetic gift, may have to say, if Biden is president, I was wrong. Now, at this point, I want to give you my opinion on how to admit we are wrong. If we are wrong, we could be wrong for two reasons. God can give prophecies based on us participating in the prophecy. God can say, I will do this if you do this. So those who had prophetic words about Trump, if, say, six months from now, after all of this is said and done, Trump's not president anymore, you may have to look back at that word and go, was that a conditional prophecy? Was I given a prophecy that the Lord wanted us to know, if my people did X, Y, and Z, then I would appoint Trump as a president? 
Well, then if Trump is not president, then you would simply explain to those who have been watching you on Facebook or hearing you prophesy in this church or some of my friends online and big names online, people that I love and respect and admire a lot, those people will have to come out and say, here's the reason why when I said this, this didn't happen. It was conditional. But if it wasn't conditional, if it wasn't conditional and someone said, no, God told me this is going to happen, this is a fact. It's like almost like I'm peering into the future, and it doesn't matter what happens between now and then. The future fact is, say, 2022, Trump is president. That was how you received that. And then now 2022, Biden is president. Then you have to understand that sometimes we can miss God. Now, it gets quiet when I preach like this, but I want to let you know I defend the prophets who even miss God. Here's why. The prophetic gift is one of five gifts. So I say to those who are online looking to make charismatics look bad and make us feel bad already when it's not done yet, when it's not done, it is not the time to do that yet, but they're waiting to do that. And I even say, if you are right, and this is true, that some prophets missed it, let me ask you a question. Teachers are in the body of Christ. Have they ever taught the wrong thing? Pastors are in the body of Christ. How have they ever pastored and given the wrong advice at that time? But they say, oh, the prophet in the Old Testament was supposed to get stoned if they're wrong. So was the rebellious child. Do you want to go get Timmy and stone them right now? So in the New Testament, the fivefold ministry gifts are to grow in their giftings. So I even say to our congregation and to us looking to some of our heroes that if this turns out towards a Biden presidency, and I'm talking like, you know, it's official three months, six months from now, we know for a fact this has happened, that we should ask them and be gracious with them. Was the word that you were given conditional? That if people did X, Y, and Z, then Trump would be elected. And because people didn't do X, Y, and Z, that's why he's not elected. Just want to know, you know, just because we're friends and, you know, I'm looking up to you as a leader or something. I want to know. Or did you simply miss God like how pastor has given bad advice at different times? Did you miss God just like how the teacher has taught things that they shouldn't have taught at times? And so I say to all those with prophetic gifts, we welcome you in the church to continue to grow with us. We're not going to hold it against you. We're not going to now browbeat you. But this is the other thing that I say. If people want to mock us, if we are wrong in this situation, then that means every one of you are going to validate the spiritual gift because there were people who prophesied Trump would be president four years ago when it was impossible to look like he was. People that I respect, like Lance Wallnow, even wrote a book about it calling him Cyrus, and people mocked him and made fun of him, and that was before he was even the front runner in the Republican Party. So now are you going to accept the prophetic gift? See, this is what a lot of people do who have things against the prophetic gift. When you're right, it was luck. When you're wrong, you have a demon. And see, I don't want that spirit in this church, and I will defend the the gift of the prophet and allow them, even if they're wrong, to not say they have a demon. No different than, like, say, you know, the Calvinists, these guys on the radio and different things, they always love putting down pastors and different things who who believe in the the prophecy and all that. That's what I want to say to them. You know, as a pastor, sir, you ever made a mistake? Well, should we take you out back and stone you? 
You know, so I want to give everybody grace and space because, number one, I don't believe it's over. But number two, even if a prophetic word comes forth wrong and the prophet is willing to look back on it, to reflect, to see what God has said or maybe didn't say, we should give them the grace and the space to do that. Amen. But what I would love, just as a testimony for God's grace, is for it to go all the way to the bottom of the barrel, everybody buying all of the Biden-Trump stuff, I mean, uh, Biden-President stuff, and then it turn back around and go right back towards Trump. That would be awesome. And so we should pray for that because I do, as I said at the very beginning, I do believe that things were done wrong. I believe if they did a revote in those states and said it only counts if you come in, then we would win again by a landslide. So prepare yourselves for the future. Those of you who have prophetic gifts, we love you. We welcome you to continue to grow in your gifts. And I think that you'll see that my heart is really open towards that. And if, if it turns out to be that way, you better let the whole world know you were on this, you know. It's like celebrate your victory big, but do your repentance small. Just for this one little quick post. Hey, guys, I was sorry I missed God on this, you know. But it's okay because I've missed God before. I've made mistakes before. And like I said, nobody took me out back and stoned me and said, I never want you to pastor again. But isn't it something how we pick on the prophets like that? And we shouldn't do that. But let's just pray one more time for our nation. Let's pray for what's being done in secret to be exposed. And let's pray for God to turn it around for his glory because I still believe that the Trump presidency needs to continue for our benefit and for the nation's benefit and even for the peace of Israel. Amen? So, Father, we ask for you to continue the presidency of Trump. We ask for you to expose the things that have been leading up to this election to bring forth an unjust election, an unfair election, an election that can be manipulated and used uh, deceptively. We pray for righteousness to come forth. We pray for your light to shine on these leaders in these uh, states that are allowing corruption to go forth, oh God. We pray for your will to be done, God. You to get the glory out of this turnaround situation and for you to have uh, this nation to be blessed again. May we be the apple of your eye. May we repent of our sins. May we see such a great miracle as an opportunity to humble ourselves and pray and seek after your face. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Let's go to Psalm chapter 2. See, that's why we're a different kind of Pentecostal church, because we believe in the gifts, but we also give explanation, and then we give grace and space for God to do his thing. And like I said, I'll never apologize for what we believe. I always say to those guys from the Frozen Chosen, I would rather make 10 mistakes riding the bike than sitting on my fanny all the time. How many would rather get out and try to ride the bike, try to get out and do something in life, you know? I would rather have a church that's learning to listen, to hear from God and speak forth his word and to give forth his word in a, in a confidence and allow the truth to come forth than for us to be so afraid to ever get it wrong, to ever make a mistake that we never say anything. Amen? So let's talk about how I see what's going on in the world today through Psalm chapter 2. But once again, as a good preacher, before I put this into today's context, let's look at what it is in the context of David as a prophecy for the Messiah. Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw 
throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. Everybody go, ha, 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 ha. See, now you know it's God laughing in heaven. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger, terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree, he said to me. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. How many excited about that? (laughs) Amen. You're in a good church when people get excited about the judgment of God. Just like, you know, if you were watching a superhero movie at, at the end when everything of the bad guys gets broken to pieces and the good guys put their foot on the bad guy's neck because you've been watching them terrorize the innocent, you've been watching them do all these wicked and evil things. By the time when that enemy is crushed, you're shouting, you're excited. And that's the way we should look at the judgment of God. Not that it's unfair, it's perfectly just, and that everyone now has a chance to be on the right side of judgment. Let's go back to the beginning portion of this. David is writing this very famous psalm, and he's saying, why do the nations plot and rage? Why are they doing this? They're doing it in vain, but they keep going for it. They keep banding together, thinking that if they can put some type of a coalition together, that they can get away from God and, out, and you know, outvote God, outsmart God's plan. And the Bible says God is in heaven laughing at them. And I feel like that's what's happening in this nation right now. The nation is saying, this is what we can do. We can, we can conspire. We can use our anger and our riots to get our way. We can make these hidden agendas to get our way. Look, we're controlling this election. Look how smart we are. And God is saying, you don't get it. I'm just laughing at you. Just laughing at you. And even if it didn't come out to be with Trump on top, God would still laugh at them because they would think they accomplished something over his plan, that God's plans are always according to his good pleasure. They think that their majority on earth makes a majority in the universe. I love it how the prophet said to his apprentice that was scared when the armies were around them, surrounding them. He said, God, open up his eyes so he can see. And then his eyes opened up, and he got to see the angels surrounding those armies. There's more with us than there are with them. Amen. And our God's a creator, and if he, if he ever felt like there was too many, he could just create more of his army if he wanted to. But they can't outdo our God. But they try. And this is what is so sad in our times. This is what makes us cry and it makes God laugh. And I believe we should laugh at times. But it's true that from the human perspective, we are saddened by this kind of rage. When you saw the people go to the streets and rage and try to get their way through destruction, it breaks my heart because it's a lie of the devil to make them think that their rage, their human-centered, sinful rage will accomplish anything it won't. When they plot and they think, like, this, it's, this is going to happen. This is what we're going to do, and, it, and it's going to happen. Everybody come follow us. It breaks my heart because in the end, they're going to see that it leads to destruction. And many of these are our friends. Many of these are our family members, our co-workers. But God is laughing while we're crying, but one day we'll be laughing with him. Amen? 
And it's okay if you want to laugh a little bit now. <laughs> and then everybody go, ha, 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 ha. Biden thinks he won. Ha, 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 ha. They think they're going to get away with it. Ha, 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 ha. You know, the, the world thinks they're going to cast off the Christian and that we won't be here anymore. Ha, 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 ha. No, we're going to rule and reign. We are going to inherit the earth. They think that what they're doing now is going to last. China thinks it's going to rule the world. <laughs> North Korea thinks they have a, an army <laughs> you know, that can stop our God. No, they can't. And we have to understand that kings may rise, kings may fall, but the people of God who follow the Messiah will be in a kingdom that lasts forever. And I pray that every earthly king, every earthly government comes to Christ before it's too late. That's why it doesn't end. It doesn't end just with mockery and scoffing. Go all the way to the end. It says, why are these kings doing this? Why are they plotting? Why are these people in rage? Don't they know it's just in vain? But at the end, it says, be warned, you kings, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. My heart would be for people like Biden and, and, and Harris and others to say, yeah, we're liars. We've cheated governors to come out and repent. We want to turn to God. We want to be right with God. That would be amazing. Our desire should be for these rulers to do that, for the Chinese dictator to say, you know what, I see the error of my ways, forgive me, for all these Muslim-led nations like in Iran and Saudi Arabia and other places and Pakistan, for them to repent and say, we've been deceived by this false prophet. We're turning our heart towards God. You might say to yourself, well, I don't know if that could happen. Well, then you might like to read the book of Jonah then. <laughs> hey, you might be here today and go, ah, I don't think it can happen. These people are so wicked. These Democrats, they're so wicked. This world that I'm living in, Chicago, it's so wicked. I'm just going to move out of state. <laughs> I hear a lot of that going on, you know. But guess what? You can run, but you can't hide from the calling of God. That was like Jonah. Jonah knew what those people were like in Nineveh. He knew what they were like. They were wicked. They were the enemies of God. They were the worst of the worst. Don't send me to them, God. God, just judge them. They deserve it, and I'll rejoice when it happens. God says, no, I want you to go tell them to repent. I don't want to curse and smite them. Jonah goes, well, if I can't be there for the fire to fall, I'm going fishing. I'm going, on a, I'm going on a cruise ship. I'm going to go do something different right now. And what happened? The, the storms came, yeah, and then he got tossed over. Then he gets swallowed up, and then he uh, comes to his senses there in the middle of the, of the big fish's belly, in the, in the muck and the mire that he was in. He repents, and he goes, okay, I get it. I need to go and preach to them. And then he goes, and he does it. And we think the story's over, right? Like Jonah did it. Okay, Jonah, you're the man. It took you getting puked up by a big fish, but you're the man. No, it even says that afterward he sits there kind of close to the city watching to see if they won't listen because that's what he's hoping for so that the judgment comes. 
And then God checks his heart. You know the story. It has a little, you know, something grow over him. And then it dies. And he gets more upset about that thing dying than about a nation being destroyed. And God says, you care about this gourd, this thing that grew up over you, but you don't care about people? What is wrong with your heart, Jonah? Jonah, not only do I care about the people, I care about the animals. I care about the land. And so we have to have the heart of Jonah during this time and say we're going to preach to the people in the midst of their rage, in the midst of their plotting, in the midst of their deception, we're going to command them in the name of Jesus to serve the Lord. We're going to ask him to kiss his son who is Jesus, Jesus the Messiah. There is no king like our king. Amen. There is nobody like our Jesus. Jesus is the anointed one. If you could go back up to around verse 3, please. The anointed one there literally means, starting in verse 2, against the anointed, that word there is Mashiach. That's where we get the word Messiah from in Greek, Christos. The Messiah or, or the word Christ or Messiah is not Jesus' last name. That's his title of divinity. That's his title of authority, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the anointed son of David, ruling and reigning as king. And so I believe that what God has planned for us is so much greater than what we can imagine right now. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we give up on our government. That doesn't mean we just say, well, Jesus is my king. No other earthly kings matter. Let's be like Jehovah Witnesses who don't vote. Let's not believe that God has the best intention for a nation. Let's be like the Amish and just run away somewhere and hide. No, we need to be involved. And we need to let them know God knows what you're doing. God knows what's going on behind closed doors. God knows the deception that is happening. And that is not just for one group of people. That is for all groups of people. During this season right now, pastors are being exposed of their sin. I don't want to name some of the names of the stuff still going forth. I'll just speak about one that I talked about already that's already confessed. That's Carl Lentz of Hillsong has already been fired from his position from adultery and for not using wisdom in other things. They say it's adultery and other things of, of lacking judgment. And yet these are the kinds of leaders that have been leading this generation. These are the kind of leaders that in Bible college that are being the voices of influence. Am I telling the truth, Pastor Jared? Those are the things that, as a professor, Jared has to combat. And then we're looked at as like we're the, the, the jealous ones, you know. We're the lame ones shopping at Walmart while they get to wear designer clothes, and we're going like, well, I wouldn't wear Dolce Cabana anyways. I don't like, I don't like Gucci. I wouldn't wear Gucci. And then on the inside, we're really like, I wish I had Gucci, not Walmart. You know what I'm saying? It's like that jealousy, like, oh, I don't like, you know, Hillsong, Carl Lentz, whatever. I don't like all these guys. But you know what? If I had the money, I would look just like them. I would be like them, you know. But that's not our heart. The pastor's heart to warn the sheep of these people isn't to be like that. We're not here with our jealous motives. But Paul said there is a godly jealousy that we do have as pastors and leaders when we see this going on. Paul said, I have a godly jealousy that doesn't want you to give your love and affection to somebody else. 
And that's the kind of heart that we have when we expose these things. But, but until it comes out, people cover up for it. So what the pastors are discerning and giving as warnings, the people say, oh, you guys are just too judgmental. You know, you guys are just against fashion. You guys are just against big money or big churches or whatever. You're, you know, you guys are just sour pusses. You're the party pooper. And every party has a pooper. And you're the pooper at this party. That's you guys, Metro Praise. You're the party poopers. No, it's, it's, it's really not. If you hang around us, we all love worship music. We all love going to big concerts, you know, that, that are godly and pure. You know, we love going to these kinds of things and conferences. I mean, they're fun. They're encouraging. We, we love a lot of these people's speaking gifts. They're, they're fun to listen to, and oftentimes they're even encouraging. You know, they, they offer something in their words that may encourage you. But it's so shallow, isn't it? And then when they finally get exposed, instead of saying, listen, instead of them coming back to us, instead of my friends, literally, who have cut me off because I've been rebuking these folks for so long, instead of them coming back to me and saying, Joe, you were right. just want to send you a message today, and I should have listened to you because now I have to go to my youth group and explain why their favorite conference speaker just put out the gram, the Instagram that he did. But instead of doing that, what they all do is rush to the Instagram along with all the adulterers there that are supporting him like Israel Houghton, in other words, and say, Jesus loves you, Pastor. You're going to make it through this. We're here supporting you. I mean, I don't want to see him go to hell, nor any pastor that falls be, be lost. I want to see them come to Christ. But the Bible says they should be rebuked before all. What? What? right now ensures me that he is ready for the path of restoration. We're just skipping right ahead. He makes what? He's been preaching and teaching for hours upon hours, year upon year, and he gets to make what? A three-paragraph statement that he does admit his sin, and yet we're saying that's ready for restoration. Why doesn't he come out and talk to us for an hour with a godly pastor interviewing so he can get it all out and we can know what it is instead of hiding it? Why is this so secretive? You know, it's just like it is in politics. Sorry, I've had some indiscretion. I'm going to go seek therapy for the next year. No, tell us, you wicked thing. You know what I'm saying? You wicked thing. I want, I want you to tell us, just like you told us all your stupid stories week after week after week, so that we can understand this fall and how not to replicate it. Because I'm tired of this. How many are tired of this? Because I guarantee, I'm not saying I want the gory details of it. I'm, I'm not saying like I need repentance to the point where it's like, well, tell me what you felt at this moment. I'm just saying, I want to know. This, come on, everybody, listen to me. I want to know as a pastor how you approach people and get to have illicit affairs. How do you do that? How do, what do you do? You start stalking them? Do you meet them at the conference? Are they on your staff? How deep does this cover-up go? Do other people on your staff know? Did they know you were having hotel arrangements? You all get what I'm saying. Why are we in, in the church always saying that forgiveness doesn't mean restoration? Why are we always saying that? Forgiveness involves restoration, and restoration involves accountability and the truth. If I, if I want to restore you, I just don't want you to write me a paragraph, say you're sorry, and come back in a year and go back to preaching. I want to know how you felt. I want to know what you learned from it. What, what pain do you know you've caused others? 
Now, I know some people might say that's not the time, but if you watch these pastors as they fall, they disappear, and then they just come back under the same exact spotlight with no explanation. I can name more names like that, and you just are left wondering what lessons were learned out of this, and why are we so gullible? The Bible says that they, the pastors, sin, and they sin with the sheep, and both will be judged. God is looking for new shepherds, and he's looking for the right kind of sheep. Are you listening? Not those who say, let us throw off the chains of God. Let's throw off the commands of Jesus. That's what the world says. That should not be in the church either. I'm tired of Christians in the church saying, you know, I was raised such and such a way, but now I'm so happy I'm free from that religion I was raised with. My friends, even at the worst day, your grandmother wouldn't have did what Carl Lentz did. Your grandmother might have whooped you a little bit, but she wouldn't have cheated like that. Are you listening to me? Some of those holiness preachers, yeah, they might have shouted at you a little bit. They might have pushed you down while they were praying for you, but at least you knew those were holy hands. Come on, are you listening to me? Because I see my friends talking like this, and I'm like, man, you're acting like you were a part of the Jim Jones cult. I went to the same church as you went to. What dear pastor are you talking about like that? Because this pastor, I think of one of them that's blessed in my, that was a blessing to my life, Pastor Wade Sutherland from the South Side, moved to Texas and then uh, had his ministry in New Orleans. That man raised me up in the things of God. I was at his, his going away, a celebration, can't even call that a funeral. It was clapping and shouting the whole time, amen. And then they let me testify and then someone else testified. It was an amazing experience to be a part of that going home party. And that's how Pastor Sutherland would have wanted it. And he taught me a lot of those one-liners that, that you hear me say that come from the African-American church. You know, tell it as a T-I is. He would always do that to be fun. But he was one of the most smartest people that I knew. And he was a man of integrity. And I'll tell you what, he didn't even let his kids listen to Christian rap, let alone rap. This man was holiness or hell all the way. So, you know, when, when I was raised up in the things of God, I could say, well, you know what? Some of my preachers used to tell me I was in sin if I did this or that, tell me if I was in sin. But you know what? I love them past that. I love their heart. What's the worst thing that I got out of that brother telling me I should wear a suit every week? And he would be so disappointed in me not wearing a suit. But maybe he's learned the truth now in heaven. Who knows? <laughs> but... Man, I worked for him, and I had to wear a suit. What difference does it make? I know that some people say, well, it turns people off. Man, if you want God, you'll wear a suit. If you see something happen in that building, you'll come and wear a suit. If you know somebody loves you in that place, you'll come and wear a suit. I'm not talking about people doing religious things and being mean. I'm talking about the pastor that I love always wore a suit. Even when I came to his house, he had like a suit on, man. Every time I've said stuff, I'm so serious. One time I saw him doing yard work, and this is about as casual as he got. He had slacks with some dress shoe loafer on and his shirt tucked in like while in the house doing some yard work. That's the generation he came from. That's, how he, that's the generation he came from. Why would I look down on him? Why, why would I say something negative about him? That man raised godly children. All of his children are serving God. His wife, Mama Sutherland, is serving the Lord. And you know what? If you were to look at Mama Sutherland, she probably doesn't look like a supermodel. 
She probably doesn't have the pastor's wife look that you see today. Everybody know the pastor's wife look I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just having an attractive wife. That's okay if people have attractive wives. But sometimes it's like a fashion show, you know, with these wives going back and forth, back and forth, how they're dressing and who they're trying to impress. Far as I know, she doesn't even wear makeup. Never had a weave, all natural hair. Are you listening to me? Always in a dress. A big dress. I'm not talking like a small dress trying to even get away with it. I'm talking like a big flowing dress. And you would see me. Seriously, I was brought up in the suburbs in the church called the Vineyard, a non-denominational church. But I was their youth pastor. And I wasn't ashamed. I wasn't embarrassed. I didn't say to my friends, before you come to this church, you got to understand, uh, you know, we're, we're predominantly African-American church. My pastor's holiness or hell. The pastor's wife, you know, she, she looks a little homely, so pray for her. You know what I'm saying? I didn't feel like I needed to give any explanation. All I needed to say was, you need Jesus come here on Sunday. And if he was still alive, he would come and preach here, and you all would not even care. And he would give us enough love and respect to say, I get what God has called you guys to do, but this is what God called me to do. And I feel like we've gotten so far from where our founding fathers came in the faith that now we just want to cast off every chain. We want to cast off everything. And I don't think we're better for it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think we would be better wearing suits being more like that than we are now with this loosey-goosey attitude that's going on in the church. So if somebody gave me a choice, we all go back to dressing up and people don't have affairs anymore. Uh, we go back to singing hymns and people don't try to take gospel music into the world anymore, putting Snoop Dogg on an album. So it's like if you gave me an either or, I would say, let's go back to hymns and wearing suits and we have three-hour services. I would rather go back, I would rather go back to that than wearing jeans listening to Christian hip-hop that you don't even know if half these artists are saved, and then in the church, nobody's living holy. But how many are glad that there's always some place in the middle that we can be? I'm glad that I can be holy wearing jeans, Pastor Southern. I haven't sinned yet, my brother. If you can hear me up in heaven, I'm still holy. My wife is holy even though she wears makeup. Amen? She doesn't have to be homely to be holy, okay? Come on, somebody. See, you, you get the point there. And it's not just the African com community. I see Latinos who were brought up in that same community amening me. I'm saying, like, we can, we can own it. Because some of us, like we were talking about, we weren't allowed to even watch not only not Harry Potter, some of you weren't even allowed to watch Lord of the Rings. You weren't allowed to watch that. And now we, we, we think, not, not saying people here, but sometimes people think that was so bad. That was so bad. Man, what did you lose out by not watching Lord of the Rings? You didn't lose anything. What did, you, what did those of us who had strict backgrounds in church, what did we lose? We really lost nothing. I'm not talking about mean legalistic churches. My pastor was not mean about it. He believed he was right, but he was not mean. He still loved you. He still accepted you. He would still support you like how he supported me. But he had his belief system that church and Christians should be a step above. And if the culture is going down like this, we're still going to be above. And I believe we can do that, dressing how we're dressing. I believe we can do it with our contemporary music. But let's not throw off the things of God and call them chains and shackles. Because as I said before, I would be the first one to go back to wearing a suit, all hymns, if I knew that would keep you holy. But since I don't believe that keeps you holy, I don't put that on this church. I believe what will keep you holy is your love for God. 
Because you can look good on the outside, but be tore up on the inside. Amen? You can be singing hymns, but still going to hell. All right? You can be in the choir, but not saved. And so what we have to do is understand God has a plan for us. But the Bible says he laughs at them when they throw off the chains. He laughs at them. He goes, you think that makes a difference? My plan will still come forth. And let me say this, please, as we get ready to close. Vinny, would you come? Sometimes people say, well, if the book of Revelation has everybody wicked at the end anyways, and if it looks like the whole world is being judged, why do we care right now? Why don't we just learn something from the Amish and just kind of resolve in our own hearts, just stop trying and just take care of our own and become our own society until Jesus rescues us? Why don't we do that? The reason why we don't do that is because of this verse right here in verse 8. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Before God does the next part, you will break them with a rod of iron you will dash them to pieces like pottery. He's giving them a chance to be saved. And that's why if you say, Joe, why do you have all the vision up here for us? And why is it so large? It's because Jesus said to ask. We are to ask. We're to ask for the nations first before they get broken like pottery. We are to ask God to save them. That's why the church is supposed to be called what? A house of prayer. Come on, somebody act like you read your Bible. The church is supposed to be called what? A house of prayer for what? The nations. God wants to see them saved. So here's how I reconcile this. And by the way, I think we can kick down the AC. We don't have to make it feel like November in here. Okay, thank you. I always like to tease our people who always do that. Most of the time they're doing it for me. They don't want me to get hot and sweaty. But I'm the only one under the hot lights. I see a lot of you guys cold, chilly, so cold. How many are glad that uh, fall is holding off a little bit right now? Amen. We're getting a reprieve. At least something good is happening right now. But watch this. Thank you. I'm just teasing. We are to care about these nations. And if we have time, Lord willing, I want to talk a little bit about the end times and some more detail uh, before the year is up. I believe that before Christ comes, that we see a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the earth. I believe that the rapture will be so significant that what it leaves behind will be easily deceived because they're so small in number compared to what used to be on the planet. For example, let me just say this because this may blow some of your minds right now. For example, for revelation to happen and hundreds of millions to die in Armageddon and for all the things you hear could happen with a billion people on the planet. That means God could rescue five billion. Are you listening to me? It could happen with two billion. That means God could take four billion. It could happen with three billion. That means three billion could go to heaven. Are you listening? How many would like to see three billion saved? Amen. How many would like to see the nations come to Christ? I mean, and then you can see it play in with the rapture, uh, the judgment playing in with the rapture towards our mindsets because so many people leave. These people left behind think we were taken by aliens and now there are small people left, a group left, and maybe they think they're the, la the last ones here, you know, and then they're so easily deceived to follow the Antichrist and his false signs and wonders because now maybe they think they're the aquarium, you know, or the, the, the testerarium, whatever, of, of the alien race and uh, terrarium rather and, and that's how they're so easily deceived. 
Now, I know the Bible says many go down, you know, wide is the gate of destruction. Many go down there. And there's a lot of scriptures that talk about how uh, we're the minority. I get that. But I still believe God can do it. It doesn't mean that God can't do it. It's just saying that oftentimes this is the way it looks like. Many go down that path. Many are there. Wide is that way. But that doesn't mean that, uh, let's just say even two billion, that's still a minority out of the six billion, but that's a lot more than we have right now going to heaven if the rapture were to happen. How many would like to see another billion added to the kingdom of God? Amen? And so we shouldn't give up on that. The Bible says that's what God has promised, and they're going to serve him one way or another. China will have the kingdom of God brought to it one way or another. All of these Muslim nations will have the kingdom of God brought to it, either by them repenting, coming to Jesus, being raptured to heaven, or when he puts his boots down on Mount Olives and makes a blood of river, a river of blood, high as a horse's head for over 140 miles. But I'm saying, Lord... If you're going to delay, delay so that souls may be saved and may we be a part of that end time army. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus today. They can get angry. They can plot. But the one in heaven laughs. And the people on earth, we may weep right now, but we're going to laugh one day. But let our tears be the seed. Uh, let our tears be the fertilizer of the gospel, to water the gospel. Let's pray. Altar workers, would you come with the band, please? If you don't know Jesus, I want to ask you to know him right now. Serve the Lord, as the Bible says, with fear and trembling. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your master. Simply say, Jesus, come into my heart, change my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. Those of you who are already saved, will you thank the Lord that he's your king today? Would you just raise up your hands and say, thank you, Lord, that you brought me into your kingdom, that I'm a king's kid today, that I've been born again. I'm a new creation. Those of you who need Christ or want to be born again, you can come up now even as we're praying, but we'll dismiss in a moment. If you've been away from God as a Christian, come forward and let us pray for you, help you get in discipleship. But for the rest of us, come on with our hands raised. Say, Lord, use me to help bring in the nations, God. Lord, we don't want to see this nation judged and go to hell anytime soon. We want to see your revival, the awakening of the Spirit come through this land, starting in Chicago. We want to have another Bible belt. We want to see another movement come through this nation, a mission movement, oh God. We want to see that every, that every nation, tribe, and tongue comes to know and love you. A few moments right now, would you intercede for a person, a group, a people, a city, a block? Come on, pray, 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 saints, that we would believe God for change, that the nations would be given to the Lord today before he breaks them into pieces. A few moments, a few moments right now for a billion-person harvest. Oh, God, draw people to you. Draw people to you. Help us, O oh God, to lift you up that all may be drawn unto you. Lift up the name of Jesus, the Bible says. He will draw all people to himself. If you've been shy in sharing your faith and you need some courage, come on up. We'll pray for you even right now. If you feel like you lack the words or the courage or the boldness, God, we pray that you'll thwart the plans of the enemy one more time, O oh God. 
and give us mercy and grace upon this land. Spare our schools. Spare our children, O oh Lord. We know you would be right if you judged us right now. You would be right, God, because our nation's been so wrong. But God, we ask you to spare us, O oh Lord, so that nations may be saved that every nation, tribe, and tongue even represented in this country will be saved. Come on, saints. Pray for some nations right now. Don't you know that there are nations where it's illegal to preach the gospel, but they're your next-door neighbor? If you have a Pakistani neighbor, you are reaching them in a place where it would be illegal in their nation. If you have a Chinese neighbor, it would be illegal. Reach them here. If you have a... a uh, a nation uh, represented, uh, a neighbor represented by Islam. These different nations, most of them, it's illegal. If you have an Iranian neighbor, it's illegal. If you have an Afghani neighbor, come on, pray, pray, pray. If you even have Indian friends or neighbors, much of India is still heavily persecuted by Hindu extremists. Preach to your Indian friend in the name of Jesus. Certain nations in Africa have regions where it's persecuted. You may be talking to someone from Ethiopia. Ethiopians have come to this city as well as other nations in the North and African region where it's been illegal and Christians have suffered. You're there to preach to them. Even in Egypt, if you have an Egyptian friend or neighbor, come on, pray, pray, pray that you'll meet them in Ubers, you'll meet them in school. You'll meet them in the grocery store. You'll meet them on your job. Jesus, 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 why? Why do the nations rage? Why do they plot in vain against you, O oh God? Why do they say, let's cast off the commands, the restraints of God, O oh Lord? We know you laugh and scoff and rebuke them, but have mercy on them, O oh God. Bring forth these nations so that heaven's promise may come forth. That heaven will be filled with a people that no one can number from every nation, tribe, and tongue. A few more moments right now. We're praying, we're praying. I'm praying for my neighbors. I'm praying for my neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm praying for this nation. If we're still here, that means there's work still to be done. Do it, Lord, for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Can you bless the Lord today, saints, and say hallelujah. Our God reigns. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the weather. But if you want to pray and worship, you guys got a song ready? They're ready. Come on up for the after party. Otherwise, have a great week. Life groups meeting all throughout this week. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Yes, come on, sing.